right, superstar. All right. <laughs> hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Glad Trad Podcast. My name is Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rodolfo Carlos. Still Rodolfo Carlos. It's awesome. I miss you, by the way. I don't want to say that. Off yeah, the I miss you too, Jordy. This um, sucks, man. I don't like this. It's actually. unfair, right? Because we did <laughs> we did the separate thing when we were in quarantine, when you were too scared to come over to my house. And <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just teasing you. Uh, now that I'm now that I'm so far away, uh, I wish that I wish that we had the studio and everything. Well, for the record, uh, I was worried because you were in contact with somebody who had COVID. Okay, whatever. And we didn't and this was happened. like at the moment where it was like um, <laughs> the most incredible dangerous mm-hmm. virus there ever was <laughs> do you remember the hysteria in that beginning month because we didn't know what the heck it was and we were con- everyone was convinced every we might very well have the- this might be the big oof i don't i don't know if i ever told you this but i used to right before the lockdowns maybe for the the, the month before yeah i was going on twitter and i was checking hashtag wuhan and so i was seeing what people were doing and and it looked really spooky and also, there was a, a pipe forum that I was on um, on Facebook, and uh, there was this guy who had uh, a Chinese like Chinese characters on his name. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because he was talking about like being locked down. And so I clicked on his profile, and it was public. And there was all kinds of like videos and stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, we're not allowed to leave our house. Check it out. I'm in the courtyard." If I leave here, I'll, I'll get arrested. And I was looking at stuff like that and I was like, yikes. <laughs> and then he stopped posting for like three weeks. Oh, and I was no. Like, Die? Like, did he get arrested? Did he get World War Z? <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, I can imagine. So, man, can you imagine? We've been. But now, who cares? We've been in this thing for six months. Can you, can you believe it? Yeah, six months. Six months. Gone. That's normalized. That's completely, that's completely. And people are like, well, it's going to go on until next year. I know that they say that the cure is around the corner and everything, but at this point, with all the information that we know, it's all, don't you think it's all about control? No, I'd say so. I think so. And and the thing that frustrates me the most is that I don't have a normal schedule anymore. And so that's throwing me off like uh, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. So it's been kind of hard, but you just got to do the best that you can. Yeah. God, God has given us so much extra time that, you know, we have to take advantage of it. Well, you know, they say this about the church. They say that it's age of the church, 10 to 20 years. Um, I haven't heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of attendance, in terms of everything. And I think that that's true to an extent because what it's also done is, there are those who have been clamoring to get back to mass and mass proper. And then there are those who were lukewarm, maybe out of the faith completely. And were just kind of, you know, butts in the seats and like, they're not going to go back to mass. And what's funny is that I was talking to a friend and he was like, you know, what's funny is even if the bishops said the the dispensations off, which some bishops have um, diocese Milwaukee did this recently, but even if some of them said, well, it's off, you got to go back to mass, all that kind of stuff. There would be people who wouldn't do so or priests because of of the safety concerns and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's funny because we've seen, do you remember that video I showed you? I think it was a parish in Rhode Island, but the how the Eucharist was in these little baggies. Do you remember that? Oh, and, that's, and yeah, that's and you would take it as you left. 
What a disgusting sacrilege. Yeah. Like you know? literally every time I, I see that stuff, it, it just it breaks my heart. Literally, I, I feel so sick to my stomach to see that that sort of abuse to our blessed Lord. Yeah. Um and when we see it, you know, I mean you and I and Anthony have a thread together, so you know, we kind of send ourselves uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with us or don't know us personally, uh, we call it uh, morning cancer. <laughs> <laughs> who can, who can post the best? <laughs> so, you know, whenever I see stuff like that, it's like, it's cringe, yeah. you know, but then also at the end of the day, when Ashley and I are doing our rosary, uh, we pray that prayer of reparation because you have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You really do. If you don't, it's just happening and, nobody's taking any sort of well maybe there are there, there's probably an old lady somewhere mm-hmm. praying that yeah yeah it's yeah. I, I you know what's nice though is you see you know we all know that the church is going to be smaller just by people it already is technically because in order to be a catholic you have to agree with every single tenet of the faith and if only 20 percent of catholics go to mass if only 25% or whatever it is, believe in the real presence. You know, a Catholic that disagrees with the tenet of the faith is called a Protestant. Yeah. Um, once upon a time, they used to leave the faith when you were Protestant, but now that the wolves are inside and they're entrenched. Uh, but man, it's also nice because... It's modernism. Modernism, what a cancer. Wow, if only if only we were warned about this. <laughs> uh, but man, at least... Behind you, Jordan. What's... Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, that's right. So Who warned us about it? Y'all give it to you right now. Okay, so... <laughs> Thank you for this, by the way, for everyone that doesn't see it. So Rudy gave me this as a, as a gift. This is... Yeah, I could see a teleprompter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there it is, right? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, hey, man, just shut up. <laughs> this oh, why don't you just shut up? up. <laughs> Before <laughs> cats out of the bag. Uh, this, is, this is Pope Pius the the tenth, uh, St. Pope Pius the tenth. Who, of course, that's saint to you, buddy. I know, oh my gosh. Who, of course, <laughs> did the famous oath against modernism, which once upon a time every clergyman had to take. And we are seeing, I think we both know that the fruits of modernism infect the church, especially in regards to COVID. The fact that a dispensation can be given, why? Because of safety concerns. And I'm like, this didn't happen at the time of the bubonic plague, it didn't happen at the time when the Ottoman Turk was ravaging Europe. You know, there's some logical dispensations where it's like, okay, look, the church is bombed out, you know, or here in Colorado, um, you know, it's like if the, it's blizzarding outside, yes, that kind of makes sense. But the fear, but an, and especially an, un, un, an unsubstantiated fear at this late in the game that you're going to keel over, you know, yeah. because you decide to go to mass and want to receive communion on the tongue or something like that. It's absurd. <laughs> Back on your pedestal. Hey, fun fact, I had Ashley take the oath of oath against modernism before we, we got married. Did you really? Yeah. Wow, that's a really Chad move. You have to do that to Jen. That's funny. I know, right? <laughs> Jen would be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, so how's uh oh okay, we need to we need to do this. So some really exciting news. We've been hoping and praying that our little podcast would grow. And um thanks uh thanks to all of you who have been watching, listening, and sharing. And some of you who saw me on uh, David Gray's podcast, Talking Catholic, recently, we pretty much in a night... Remember us little people, Jordy. I will. I mean, you're, well, you're next, believe me. But what's funny is that we went from, we went from 
hovering, we, we crossed our threshold, you know? So at this point we have over 200 subscribers. Um, and that's a great thank you to, to every single one of you who have continued to support and pray for us as we kind of just get what is, I'd say a testament of, of the great love that Rudy and I have for tradition and the Latin mass and the return to orthodoxy off the ground. So, you know, we are really, really appreciative of you. And for those who are kind of new and maybe trying to figure out who we are, um, welcome to the Glad Chad podcast. That's Rudolfo Carlos. I'm Jordan Pacheco. We are both uh, young trad men. By trad, I mean traditional Catholic men. That means that we adhere uh, to the Latin mass, traditional forms of piety, which includes things like the Ember Days, no meat on, on Fridays, uh, dank Catholic memes that your papist teens would approve of. And... Um, <laughs> What the purpose of this podcast is, is twofold. One is that Rudy and I really feel like uh, God has given us the access to, to new media, podcasts like this, the internet space and everything, to really start orienting the church little by little back to orthodoxy, back into tradition. And so we wanted, we, we both found so much home in the reverence of the Latin Mass and in the reverence of traditional Catholicism that we just had to share it. Um, and then the second thing is that there's a lot of warfare that's going on in the church. There's a lot of bellum that's happening. Um, but there's also a lot of rhesus, which is laughter. There's so many good things that are happening in the church. So we thought that rather than kind of be maybe another podcast oriented towards uh, the worst things that are going on in the church, which we should be, of course, attuned to, uh, not knocking a lot of those great commentators who are able to do that, but there's also a lot of really exciting things happening, joyous things that are happening and fun things that are happening as well. So as you'll see by a lot of the different videos we post, we talk about everything from serious topics like the limits of obedience, uh, church architecture, uh, the growth and resurgence of the Latin mass and ex exponential growth of orthodoxy and tradition. But, you know, we're also, we're also young, uh, young memesters. So, <laughs> so we talk about Catholic culture, like, like pipe smoking, uh, which is a very popular thing amongst trad men. And uh, we had a whole segment on Catholic memes and we picked out some of our favorites. So um, we are, we're very, very grateful. We ask you to please keep us in your prayers. We keep you in our prayers. And early on, if you like what we have to say, please go ahead and like, comment, subscribe. There's that notification bell to let you know when we post, which is every once in a while. <laughs> um, you can also follow us along. Our, our biggest platform outside of YouTube is you can find all our podcasts literally on our main episodes everywhere where podcasts are. Um, Stitcher, Apple Music, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name a platform, you can find it. And then we also have an instant. I heard that uh, you, can, you can access it through smoke signals. Oh, snap. We didn't even tell them about the smoke signals, didn't we? Uh, if you yeah. just make a little smoke signal outside your fire, we will, we, will, uh, we will give you a high five. That's a promise. If you actually do that, we will come to where you are and give you a high five. <laughs> uh, we're also on Instagram, of course, which is a, which is a pretty good place to find us too. So. Um, I think that's a, I would think that's a pretty good summation of who the heck we are. I think so. Yeah. Um, 200, 200 and change yeah, 200 followers change. now. That's, that's really exciting for us. And, uh, that's 200 and change spheres, uh, spheres of influence. Yeah. Which is really exciting for us because, you know, when you share this with people who aren't familiar with tradition, uh, when you share this with your friends, et cetera, we keep growing and we have a, a nice conversation about tradition and how Christ is uh, 
is moving in our life. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And thank you for joining us. And we hope you keep joining us with, uh, with the, the videos that we're going to be putting out in the future. And, you know, we've done this before, but if, if you have a question on the traditional side or anything that you oh, need yeah. to answer, you know, we we're we're always talking in the comment section, um, but we've, we've pushed out videos, you know, we do not just together videos, but separate videos where we tackle a different issue. So Rudy, for instance, has a, has a really great video on, on why uh, traditional Catholics uh, tend to do the joyful, the sorrowful and the glorious mysteries and kind of don't really do the luminous mysteries. And it's a really, really great, very balanced explanation that he did. Um, you know, so there's, there's plenty of other resources that we are also doing too, because again, um, the purpose of why we do everything is we do it for the Lord. And I think that part of this podcast, what makes it very good also is it's a physical refutation of sometimes a critique you see people saying that traditionalists only care about the smells and the bells that yeah that's important because initially we we wanted to be very tempered and have a very level-headed conversation we didn't want to be too um i mean for lack of a better way of explaining it um sometimes uh, traditionalists have a rap for being a little bit too explosive or yeah. um what's the word maybe unrelatable. So we decided very early on, we wanted to be very moderate as much as we can, you know, you, you can't always be moderate. Um, but for the other times where we can't, and we, we want to let our hair down, we do yeah. have a segment yeah. called the mad trads, mad trads, <laughs> which is funny because originally when we first started doing these episodes, we weren't doing them on video. Um, so if you go back into our archive and you're wondering why there isn't any like, you know, video to it, it's because it was just an audio podcast, but we originally told ourselves that we were going to give ourselves two minutes <laughs> and it quickly turned into yeah, a whole, it's a whole life of its own. Um, so that's fun. But you know, some of our mad trads are, are even some of our mad trads, like this is all for God and God's church and True. also to govern our lives by God and God's church. So we did a video at the end of, a really, really great video that we had on sacred music with uh, St. Vitus Choirmaster, all around sacred music aficionado, organist Jeff Ostrowski on, on can you be a Catholic and vote Democrat? Spoiler alert, what is it, Rudy? Uh, yeah, just kidding. No, you cannot. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we can't vote for intrinsic evils. Just going to say that right off the bat. Sorry, everybody. But I'm really. Even if you think President Trump was a bully I last have night. have to vote for Trump. But you doesn't like the way he talks, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It's about your souls, people. That's why we're doing this. I could care less if you vote for Trump. I mean, I'd like you to, but I could care less if you do. It's literally about the fact that when we get at the end of our lives, God goes, did you protect the littlest of mine? Right. And we do that by voting in this federal republic that we live in. Okay. So we can't vote for intrinsic evils. And we're going to keep, and I just went to a, a really wonderful pro life march where we marched a Eucharistic procession around a Planned Parenthood here in Denver. And there's a, so let me tell you about Colorado a little bit. Colorado is a state where, one of seven states, if I remember correctly, where we allow abortion all the way up until term. It's completely snuck past me growing up here, by the way. I didn't realize we were that bad. So there's a bill right now, Proposition 115, which would say that abortion is limited, no abortion past 22 weeks. It's not enough, right? Because life begins a conception, because that's a soul made in the image and likeness of God. 
But that's a really good demonstration of turning the culture back to life. And the amount of people that were there, the amount, and different people, people who weren't Catholics, people who never thought about abortion before, I had a good conversation with a guy, different walk of life for me, but understood, oh, they're killing, they're killing babies in there is what he said. And it's like, you know, yes, they are. And we have our greatest weapon, the rosary. Our lady has told us that if we conform our wills to her son, that, that she will see to our victory. So again, we're doing this whole thing. It's not just about the podcast. It's not just about, about getting the message out and everything. We're, it's about orienting our lives really to, to God and holding up ourselves to the mantle of our lady. Um, yeah, influence is really important to understand. Um, one of the things that I uh, had prayed about for a while was um, how influence shapes our lives mm-hmm. and how even as you and I, I mean, you and I, to be honest, I don't really consider us to be anything big. You know, obviously wow. there's, there's bigger podcasters than the Gladrad podcast oh, yeah. and they have more reach and everything. But even the small words that we're talking about today or whatever, all of those have an impact and they have a gravitas. Mm -hmm. And I think people aren't tuned into that. They don't understand how much their words affect the people around them. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to do the best that we can with our influence and, and bring people to God as best as we can. And um, the Holy spirit definitely uh, takes the lead. And we just kind of uh, go along, kind of like St. Simeon, you know, (laughs) he was called to go to the temple that day and he got to see the blessed savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's just when you, when we discover, sorry about the noise, by the way, there's a gas station. next. How could you? (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I was just, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for a lot of the gifts that God has given me. And I know that's completely true for you too. And, you know, one thing that I think across the culture we all need to do is that when God gives us a gift, we do need to give back to him in some capacity. Um, Rudy, you've done that with your photography. We've both done that with our, with our, with our, with our skills in photography and videography and everything. It's time. It's if you're in a relationship with somebody, one thing you need to do is spend time. It's it's prayer. It's reading about the faith. It's as we'll see with our topic. It's talking about what is good cultivated Christian media. It's it's everything that we can do to really start building up the kingdom of God here on earth as well. It's voting properly. It's cultivating a family properly. It's not relegating God to a one hour little block on a Sunday. And what's really fun, what's really nice, what's great is that that kind of thinking has potency to it because it's truth. And leading with truth that way, you're going to attract people uh, who want to hear the truth. And especially because our culture is so starved of that. And so here on our podcast, you know, we have our motto is Resus et Bellum, laughter and war. And there's a time for everything. You know, the readings this week, you know, there's a time for everything under, uh, last week, you know, there's time for everything under the sun. And what's funny is that you see that really and truly that there's a time that we need to be the church militant with our spears sharpened on the march, right? Something like abortion, right? Which we're going to fight until the ends of the earth. And there's also a time for laughter. There's a time to sit down and think how great it is to, to be a dank memester as a Roman Catholic or, you know, talk about how great church warden pipes are. Mine broke, by the way. Do you know that? Did I tell you that? 
I, I don't want to show it, but it's uh, I, I'll get to it later. You haven't buried it yet? No, I mean, <laughs> right? It's, <laughs> I, it's, I didn't get it blessed, but I'm going to burn it anyway. <laughs> Wait, Jordy, sorry to detract, but this is actually proof that you're cursed. Oh, oh. Because I'll tell you a quick little story. I've tried to give you two pipes. And it, the, go back to l- listen to uh, an episode where we talk about pipes because I talk about how I restore them. Pipe dreams. But I've gotten two pipes. One of them, the first one, I said, all right, I'm going to restore this one for Jordy. I start working on it. And the thing just completely breaks at like the worst <laughs> possible point where like it's unusable. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, oh, damn. All right. Well, I'll figure it out later. And then uh, later comes around, I got another one and I said, this one's perfect. I'm going to do it. And Jordan was about to leave to Colorado. So I said, I'm going to refurbish it. It's going to be great. I finish it. It it was perfect. It looked great. It was one of the best pipes I ever refurbished and rare. It was, I've never seen anything like it. Beautiful pipe. And uh, I go to mass and I said to myself, I'm going to give it to him after mass but maybe not because I'm going somewhere else and my buddy, he has a buffing wheel. So I'll buff, oh, I'll buff the pipe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I decided not to give it to him that then and there. And I, I went to my buddy's house and I put it on the buffing wheel. And for some reason it was, it was weird. I blinked and it was out of my hand mm. and the buffing wheel chucked it against the concrete and broke it in the same manner that <laughs> the first one was broken. <laughs> so, I couldn't give him a broken pipe. Now your other pipe is broken. That sucks. Uh, and for the record, I've not forgiven you yet. Yeah, it was well, my gift. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll find one. Don't no. worry. You'll get it eventually. I'm Maybe you know, it's your uh, wedding Well, it looks, like, it looks like you and Ash are just going to have to come out for Thanksgiving. We're going to have to have a pipe smoke the old-fashioned way. Oh, no. oh man so so anyway yeah so thank you for for everyone who's been listening that's been great um so tonight on the docket i i was thinking about this i know rudy you've been thinking about this too but again part of the the system that we're in is i've always said it's it's that the new evangelization is really going to be the old evangelization with new tools right (laughs) and i think i think we're part of it um I think where I work at the Augusta Institute is part of it. I think that um, the media, again, so many online resources down to the fact that you can just type in whatever priest, you know, gives solid, good sermons can, can do it. Um, Books. I mean, how widely available for the first time in a very long time are just like trad books and go on Amazon and I can get anything that I want. Um, Yeah. Even reprints of old books. Oh yeah. Stuff that's been out of print forever. Yeah. Yeah. But also, so it, it kind of just speaks to like a wider margin that I think this is, or this is really kind of a renaissance of Catholic media, you know? Um, yeah. And it's not just relegated to works on theologies, histories, and doctrine, but even inside like the narrative space, you know, there are now more tools for Catholic filmmakers, for instance, Catholic writers. Um, I was going to say Catholic songwriters, but unless they're doing sacred polyphony, like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, but, uh, well, I mean, just, just look at, just look at a recent, the recent success of a film, um, called, uh, unplanned. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, it's, uh, the story of Abby Johnson and how she, uh, who was a, a really high up person in Planned Parenthood, uh, had a conversion through a, a really terrible experience. You can actually see the movie and find out a little bit more about her life. But she also talked about this experience. Um, uh, what was that Jordan recently? 
uh, for President Trump. It was like, um, what was it, the endorsement or? Yeah. Oh, it was the Republican National Convention. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Facing out. <laughs> but yeah, those, those, those two things. Watch the movie and listen to her interview. Those are incredible things. But who would have thought that a film like that would have so much success? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Nowadays, we're, we have so much more access. It's amazing. There's, have you seen the Fatima movie yet? It's like just oh, come yeah. out. You saw it? Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. I, like, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I liked the... Here's the thing that, that blew me away. The production quality was out of this world. It was great. It was really good. And it's something that I haven't seen in a long time. Like, I don't know. You think about like a Christian movie and there's certain tropes and that sort of thing that, that comes up constantly. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just kind of, it just looks kind of half-baked like a Hallmark movie or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this Fatima movie was really well done good cinematography. Um, I think it was on the same level of quality as like the passion of the Christ. Just really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the passion of the Christ I think is its own thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really amazing film. You know, that was, you know, that was my first rated R film, by the way. Really? We saw it as a parish. The entire parish went to go see it. So what was like seven, 10 or something? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good one to, uh, Watch to break that Friday. streak yeah 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 no hopefully you're not watching any more r-rated movies Jordan. oh never never well actually no, but that that brings up an interesting point so this is this is <laughs> let's talk about the tropes of christian filmmaking first because i've always okay. had this opinion right that when you love something and you want to just show it to the world i think a couple of things happen sometimes when you're so close to the source and you don't have the sensibilities of genuine storytelling down you miss a lot of the beats on what makes for great art, right? So, and also it's just across the culture. So think about this. In the wider Christian genre, if you listen to what hymns or, not hymns, they're not hymns, they're songs that come out, right? What's a big hits protestant song? You know, it's, it's, it's not great musicality. It's objectively not great musicality. And I can say, I'm not, I'm not knocking the, the zeal or the piety of the people that, that put out kind of things like this. But what's funny is that God has given us, and especially the history of the church has really cultivated such great high bars of, of culture setters. Mozart's Requiem Mass is solidly inside the church, as well as anything written by Palestrina or Guerrero. So, yeah. you know, it's fair to go, this is what sacred music sounds like. And it's very nice that you want to give your voice to the Lord. Um, but, but the focus is completely different, you know. And this comes with movies too. And I think that part of it has been that Christian filmmakers don't have the resources of secular Hollywood. Um, I mean, now there actually are some movies that do because again, Christian filmmaking is very big business, but a lot of the sensibility for filmmakers is that they don't go through what I think is a rigor. You as a photographer, me as a cinematographer of actually learning the tools, equipment, the language, the know-how to put together a film that that's also catered to people who wouldn't normally be interested in watching that kind of a thing. So I always, I always, I'll just say it right off the bat. Like, I think that God's not dead is not a good movie. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this why I think it's, it's, you know, and what happens is we say, well, the message. I think that's a good example of like a bad tropey kind of Christian 
movie. This is what it could have been. So it suffers from all the bad sins. It does this. It goes, um, you know, it's, it's, it's instead of really focusing in on the debate and the rigor of, of the intellectualism of God before realizing that you, it's a surrender to, of the will. You know, you can argue yourself as close as you can get to, to religion, but unless you surrender to the faith and understand that, that faith takes us farther than what our reason can do, instead of cushioning it, instead of softening it, instead we have to deal with the pastor being locked out of the church. We have to deal with the girlfriend who, this isn't in the plan, so I'm out of here, right? We have to deal with the fact that a woman, here's a whole story, right? A woman gets cancer at the very end. And as Catholic filmmakers, because we understand Dante's journey and redemption and suffering, real serious struggle in the faith, right? That's a whole other story. But instead, they're going to pray over her and have a concert and you're going to text all your friends that God's not dead and a thousand people are going to be saved tonight and not know a thing about the faith the next day. Um, right. But then Carl- yeah, they're going to go to Hillsong for um, a week. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, wow, that was a interesting emotional experience mm-hmm. and they're not going to have any formation. <laughs> I think that part of it is, and so they're going to fall away. <laughs> yeah. And I think that part of it is that we, you know, we should make films, obviously we should make media and content to spread the faith. Right. And it's, it's good of course to have things that we can also refresh in. It's nice knowing that I'm going to watch a movie that I don't have to worry about what the parent rating is. Um, but Christianity does not mean sterility. It doesn't mean that, you know, we, we have this stereotype, right. About family movies where, what makes a family movie a family movie? Well, it doesn't have any violence. It doesn't have any sex. It doesn't have any language. And so it's clean and therefore must be a good family movie, right? But the reality, especially of the, of the Catholic worldview, is that all the best stories, as God puts them in the Bible, as he placed them in the lives of the saints, is overcoming struggle, is turning from sin to virtue, is using God and trusting in the Lord, even, when, even to the point of death, when everything else past you is down. And so like, and that's a common theme in, in Christian movies, even in like, uh, God's not dead or mm-hmm. there was another one too, that I watched recently. It was about, uh, this girl who right. was a runner or something and she meets her dad, she's adopted or something. And she figures out, I don't know, by, Oh, what was that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's not, it's not the one about. Um, oh wait, it's if she's a runner, you said. So it's not about the girl that that has to go well, find her mom because no, it's find, okay. Else. Well, it's not really important, but but mm-hmm. the thing is, this is a common theme, right? They there's a struggle, there's a uh, a moment of weakness of faith, yeah, and then inevitably this this character rekindles her faith because yeah. of reasons, divine providence, or something like that. Um, but it's a very super superficial story. It never really gets any, you know, it doesn't really get as deep as like, I don't know, the life of a, of a suffering saint, yeah. like St. Agatha or yeah. something like that. Ooh, that's a, ooh, you know, that's very good. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's movies that don't have any substance. Yeah. They don't have, or, or if they do, it's very, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the top level. of the surface of the water, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I like, have you ever seen, did you ever see Risen? Uh, no. Was that new? Yeah. Well, Risen was to come out like well, two, three years ago. Risen. So, Risen, so real quick, Risen is about okay. a centurion who's tasked with making sure that the body of Jesus doesn't go missing. Yeah. I look it up. It, I mean, I think you'd love it. And, oh, wow. and the body of Jesus does go missing. That's cool. And so it becomes this mystery at first, right? Who he drags in all the apostles. He drags in Mary Magdalene and he's like, 
okay, this is bad because if we let this guy's body go missing, there's going to be a Jewish revolt on our hands because he's their, you know, he's their martyr. And so we need to make it seem like the Roman Empire has crushed any sort of sympathies for Christ. And, you know, he, he drags all these people in. They're like, he was completely right. He rose. Like, you're not going to find his body. He's, he's risen. And it, wild. Um, and so what happens is, and it very, very well shot. It's from the centurion's point of view. It's, I mean, it's a really brilliant, just objectively, it's a good film. And that's what I like. I think that you can take your non-Christian friends to see it and they'd be like, oh, interesting. And as a, as a, as a Christian, you'd be like, mm. wait, is this the story of Longinus? I, is it Longinus? I can't remember the- it, Longinus pierced the side of Christ. I don't think it, I don't he think was it converted. is. I don't think it is. No, no, no. Cause he doesn't, he himself doesn't, doesn't actually partake that directly in Christ's crucifixion. Otherwise, I would. I was taking yeah. him down and yeah, making sure he doesn't get up again. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, <laughs> what's great about this though is that there comes a moment in the film where he he opens the door to what I think is like the upper room, and he sees Christ, you know, around all the apostles, and he becomes a follower. And once one thing that's cool about this film is that it's it shows risk, right? Because you, how do you go from a Roman centurion, you know, how do you come from an officer in the army? to have to, who, who, you know, has to believe that, that, in, that Caesar's a God. There's this really wonderful scene where he's at, he's at a temple and, you know, he's like praying for success to find Christ's body and it's not happening. And finally he addresses, he addresses the, the, the Christian God, right? He goes, look, uh, well, at that time, I guess the, the Jewish God, right. But he, he goes, look, um, I don't know if you're up there. I don't care, but help me find this man because your people are going to die. <laughs> and, and, you know, God used them like, as like, you know, I, I love the, the Edwards, you know, you will stretch out your hand and I'll lead you to where you don't want to go. And so what's also really cool about this film is I don't, and I don't know who the filmmakers are. I have to find them. It is so pro Peter as Pope. It hurts. It's very clear that Christ gave Peter an authority over the other apostles. And, that Peter is like, that's another good point mm-hmm. that I'd like to touch on briefly is that there sometimes are Christian films that deal with overtly Catholic doctrine. Yeah. And then they end up washing it over or, you know, whitewashing it over and not touching on it because the producers or whatever, they're like, well, wanna, we want to reach a lot of people, but if we, we if we do this, then the prots are going to be upset. Mm-hmm. So there was a good movie. It was, uh, I think it was Paul. Okay. Did you watch that one? No, no, no. Uh, is that the Netflix one? Or is that the... Uh, no. It was, it was like a... Oh, it came, right, right, right. It's it not came the, out to the theater. Yeah. Right. But um, there's a scene, and it's almost like if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene of the, the, the Eucharist and uh they just kind of don't mention it at all <laughs> right right <laughs> it's like well that's really important you know mm-hmm. and i have a feeling they did that because they didn't want to offend the sensibilities yeah, the, of the protestants who, who don't have that same opinion as us well, or also don't believe yeah it's 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 funny when you see that because i think sometimes they inadvertently stumble upon it so for instance have you seen case for christ no. Wonderful movie, right? And that one's based on a true story. It's about this man who's, uh, who his wife converts after this accident with their daughter. And this woman, this nurse came over, saved the daughter and was like, well, God told me to be here tonight. He's like, 
the wife's like, okay, well, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. And one thing that makes this movie good is as Christian filmmakers, we have to be willing to take risks, right? And we have to really believe that, yes, to follow Jesus means sometimes you have to leave your whole family behind. And so where I think God's not dead, didn't do a very good job at explaining uh, the loss. I mean, it tried it with the girlfriend trope, but it just, it was just so bad, just bad acting, bad writing, everything. So following Jesus means you're going to have to lose status, life, everything, you know, family, certainly friends, most certainly. So think about what this would do to a marriage, right? You're a married man. So it's like the tenets of your marriage is built around the faith. It's built around this understanding of your relationship as head of your household, as your relationship as husband and, and eventually father and your relationship to your spouse. And, but you build up a rhythm, right? And so imagine that you're, you're an atheist and you thought your wife was an atheist. And then suddenly she's like, well, come to church with me. Well, I'm, I want to pray with our daughter. I want to read the Bible. I want to show you something. And you're like, I don't even know the woman I married. So this guy sets out, he was a Chicago, I think it was like Chicago Tribunes or Chicago Times writer, but he set out to literally disprove the crucifixion in every way possible, historically, medically, you know the story. Yeah. I think I've seen this. Well, he's, a, he's a pastor yeah. in Texas now. Um, but w- at one point, what's cool is like he talks to a Catholic priest and he talks to the Catholic priest about the Shroud of Turin. And naturally, because Hollywood doesn't believe that the, the Second Vatican Council and the Recovation happened, it's this very beautiful church and the priest is just spot on. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this <laughs> is way more. I was like, man, dude, like, and like he goes into the, the priest is a scholar, right? Of course. So he goes into the rectory and it's these libraries, walls of books and ancient scrolls and everything. He actually knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, he, he knows actually knows what he's talking he, about. As opposed to just being like, well. If you asked him whether or not cohabitation was a mortal sin, oh he would God. give it to you straight. He wouldn't say, well. well uh, vote is your conscience. <laughs> whatever your conscience decrees. Yeah. But I, well, I thought that was a good film on risk. Us, yeah. We have to, we have to have. Uh, conscience consciences that you know we have to listen to our conscience yeah but but again like so that's the that's really the b story right because the a story is his relation well that's the a story the b story is of course his relationship with his wife and until he allows that faith to take him forward their marriage is pretty much almost over yeah Um, and you know it's sometimes we read you know saint paul talks about the the belief the, the the belief of the of the believing wife can sanctify the unbelieving husband and things right and vice versa but i don't think we recognize just what how what that even means and how difficult that would ever be you know i couldn't imagine being with somebody who wasn't in the faith for instance yeah if you're dating now and you're catholic i i really if i can give you some unsolicited advice it would be don't date somebody who's outside of the faith it's more problems than it's worth. Mm-hmm. But that actually reminds me of a, a story. It's not my story, but uh, Fulton Sheen talked about it in one of his talks. And I, I should keep a journal with like uh, the title of the talk and what was in it, because I, I think of Fulton Sheen and he's talked about so many different things that I can't remember which one, it, which video it was from Life is Worth Living. Yeah. But he talks about this, um, this couple, they're atheists. I believe, or agnostic something like that. And um, the wife has a conversion and uh, she gets really sick and she starts praying for her husband, um, who's a very staunch atheist. And eventually because of her sickness, she's deteriorating and it's terminal. 
And she writes a letter to her husband and she says that I, I have endured this suffering for a very long time for your conversion. And I think one day you're going to be converted. And he scoffs at it naturally. And he can't understand the faith of this woman who, who was a very big part of his life because he was dealing with no doubt his own sort of um, emotional struggle or whatever, intellectual struggle with the existence of God. I don't know if you've ever, you probably met an atheist who's like, well, why is there suffering in the world? I imagine it's something like that. But eventually he's converted just like she, just like she says, and he, he enters into a monastery. I, 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 I will, can I, may, may I add to your story? Yeah. On her deathbed, she tells him that you will be a Catholic priest. That's the one. That's, uh-huh. that's the kicker. Uh-huh. And he goes, there's no way. I don't believe in anything. Yeah, I would never happen. do that. I never do that. Uh, that's cringe. And so Fulton J. Sheen studied under him. Because he, that's right. He was, he, it was he, his he retreat say, master. As my, I think her name was Elizabeth. But like, as my dear wife would say, is what he would say. Yeah. And then do this. Yeah. Yeah. He used to do retreats with this priest. I remember now, mm-hmm. actually. But I still don't know what video that's from. Oh, yeah. So maybe search for those. Those. Oh topics. no! You're gonna have to watch all full of JG. You don't know. <laughs> oh no! I have to rewatch it all over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's and I, I talk about media. I mean that. Yeah, well, that that's is like a really great one example. point in history. Think about that. Fulton J. Sheen is on with CBS, the third highest watched show, a, a, a Roman Catholic bishop competing with some of the greatest mm-hmm. acts of the time. And he's not, he's not, it's not an act. He is, it's a, it's, it's a very wonderful homily. It's, it's about the cardinal virtues. It's about giving our life to Jesus. It's unabashedly Catholic. It's um, like what you would wish. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's uh, that called? Uh, 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 <laughs> um, not CCD. I keep forgetting. Um, uh, <laughs> Wait, who does it belong to? When when somebody wants to convert, you send them to the class. Oh, you're talking about RCIA. RCIA. Man, I'm having a blank moment. I'm having that a Biden. You're drinking. Don't think. Hashtag, notice that. Hashtag Biden moment. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Fulton Sheen's. Radio program, television show, um, both of those things are are like what you would expect or hope and dream yeah. of what a good RCIA class is going to be like. Because let me tell you, I've been in some pretty bad. Well, ones, they but, uh, they found out that seventy percent of RCIA people two years are back out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, based based off of my my one observation of two different programs, and I'm. It doesn't really matter that much, but I can tell. <laughs> so I want to do a I want to do a shameless plug for the AI real quick. Not really shameless, but because it's good content, whatever. But um, artificial intelligence. Uh, right, the Augustine Institute, which I work for, which is uh, Catholic, equipping Catholics with new evangelization. That's our thing. Anyway, my point being, there is a series on Formed called uh, Saint Francis, and it's a, it's an audio it's an audio drama. Now this is interesting because I don't know if you've listened to a lot of audio dramas, but I love them. There's a brilliant one with uh, what's the name of the actor who does uh, Smeagol in Lord of the Rings, um, and uh, anyway, my point being is that uh, it'll come to me. Um, but I'm bad with names. <laughs> uh, Andy Circus, thank you, Rudy, for reminding me. Andy Circus. Oh, does, that's right. He does the most wonderful rendition of the Screw Tape Letters. 
I've wow. ever, heard, I've ever, I'll have to send and that's it. on AI. It's not, that was not on AI, but my point being is audio dramas are wonderful. Just one. And especially since the world, this is a podcast. So people listen to this, not just with the video component. Uh, Podcasting is big. Audio books are huge. And so audio dramas, it's funny. It's like the 1930s again, that they've come yeah. back into the resurgence. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But this one is about uh, St. Francis and it's a four hour audio drama. But here's a cool thing. It won an Audible Award in 2018. Now, when I say it won an award, it didn't just beat out religiously themed audio dramas. It beat out all the audio dramas, religious and secular, just to speak to the power of production and the power. And, it, and it's orthodox about St. Francis, but it, it's his life as in an audio drama. And so I'm starting it right now. But I just thought like, well, how cool is it that that the tools that we have, we can do that, right? So it's like, as Christians, we're not called to step apart from the world. We're not called to just create a little, little subculture sector. But I think, especially as creators, like we're called to push our, the medium with the truth of the Lord into the world, you know, and also to make sure that it has a high bar. And I mean, we've even said it with our own podcast, little by little, you know, Rudy and I have been been figuring oh, yeah, out we do our little upgrades yeah, little upgrades we've been figuring out compression rates we've been we've been doing the homework on on microphones yeah. and lighting and you know you mm -hmm. look really cool by the way i wanted to say that tonight rudy uh oh, thanks jordy <laughs> you look like uh you look like uh you look like the sinister man behind door number three uh, yeah i was telling jordan before we started filming that it looks like he's in heaven and i'm in like the depths <laughs> oh you're in the inferno <laughs> The uh, the lighting in in this room is horrible. So. I mean, I think I mean so it made, so you made it look cool. I'm totally fine. Mine's mine's so mine's nice, but it's so like I wish I I mean my poor cinematographer brain's like why don't you just add a shadow, splash a light across there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be our next thing is to do a little bit of. We're gonna look like we're gonna look like uh, Matt Frad's podcast. You seen that? You see how cool that light yeah. looks? Like, yeah. geez, good set design. <laughs> so so what else? What else you been? Any oh oh. This is an oldie but a goodie, but I think that if you want to see a movie about a saint's life that's brilliant, it's a little older now. If I could, I would recreate it. Just keep the same script, but just uptouch a little bit of filmmaking sensibilities. One of my favorite films of all time is A Man for All Seasons. Hmm. I mean, have you seen it? The Life of Sir Thomas More? No. So... Again, I think that the theme of store of good storytelling, and God knows this because the Bible is filled with this, is always risk, reward, and loss. So here's a man who is who is Chancellor Lord of uh, uh, Chancellor of um, I think the the title was Lord Protector um, of England, and so that's essentially the Prime Minister. Okay, and this is a time period where despite being awarded the defender of the faith title, Henry VIII, of course, has gone through a marriage which is already annulled, and the Pope is like, we have no authority to give you an annulment. This is a valid marriage. And so he abandons his wife and marries another woman. And you're supposed to just accept the divorce and accept the marriage. And so Sir Thomas More, who is one of my favorite patron saints, um, and you'll see this in this movie, has to try to navigate what... I would say is legitimate Catholic conscience and legitimate Catholic silence and navigate, you know, his loyalty to the King and his loyalty to God. And so even down to his last word, right. It's famous. I'm the King's humble servant, but God's first. Mm -hmm. And so what you see is you see this man who is sitting at the right hand of the King who is loved and feared and adored for the sake of the faith, lose it all. 
goes to the Tower of London. There's this really heartbreaking scene where they can't, they can't convince, they can't try him of treason, right? They can't, by the law, they can't kill him. So they just imprison him. And they, they, you know, he, he is withering up and he shuffles on out and they're like, will you just say yes to the marriage? And he's like, you know, I, he's like, I won't say anything. That's what he did. He's like, I won't say anything. You can't make me say anything. And they're like, okay, we'll go away. And as he's shuffling back, he goes, um, they realize that he's been, he's had his books still. So they take away even his books out of the tower of London. And he goes, may I see my family? And they say, no. And you're just like, wow, all for the sake of the gospel. Just why wouldn't you just sign it? Why wouldn't you just sign it and not mean it? Right. And he says, because it's an oath. And the thing about an oath is that I would bet my own soul for the world. I bet my own soul for my title, for my life that I have left. It's not worth it. They were like, will you disavow Catholic teaching right here, right now? I mean, it's like, it's, it's what, I mean, it's what's, it's what's happening with the Supreme Court right now. You see what the, the dogma lives loud within you, whatever. Because <laughs> you remember, it's pretty cool. Oh, it's pre- I, know, I was like, what is, what are we, Jedi all of a sudden? <laughs> I, I mean, if somebody said that to me, I would take that as a compliment. I, I would take it as a high. <laughs> I think that's the problem. It's, it's, it's like deplorable, right? It's become a badge of courage. Like, yeah. When your Catholicity uh, is so wonderful, resonant, that, mm-hmm. and I feel like with Sir Thomas, and everyone knew it, that's the worst part. Because again, this is the formation of the Church of England. So, you know, despite the fact of Sir Thomas More and uh, uh, Bishop John Fisher, I do believe, um, how, yeah. many, how many other bishops, priests, lady, the king himself, all went along with it? They might have not, oh, we didn't really mean it, so might even have said, but well, we're going to do this to keep our heads down. And I mean, these are the true stories of heroism. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays you, you get these contrived sort of stories. I mean, a, a, an example of a contrived story would be like the new Star Wars series oh where like God. The, the main character doesn't have to do really anything. Ooh. They're just born with uh, supernatural abilities, skill and prowess and it's all that stuff. Answer, yeah. What we have in our, our, our Catholic tradition is the greatest story ever told. Uh, the story of, of Christ, of his life, yeah. his ministry, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, uh, the descent of the Holy Ghost, uh, the story of the early church, the story of the suffering uh, martyrs, uh, the saints who inspired so many people to live holy lives. I mean, we have a treasure trove of the greatest stories ever told. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just barely starting to scrape the surface of being able to, to give these stories to a wider audience. And I think that's going to happen soon. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe tomorrow we, we get a, a contract or something. <laughs> Jordan's the new cinematographer, and I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Maybe I'd be a camera assistant or something. Oh, I'd be, you, you're definitely in the camera crew. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in the camera department. Uh, official BTS photographer. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You know. But, but I think these stories are going to be told, and I think that people are longing for uh, an authentic story that inspires them. You know, Why? like the, the culture that we have today, I don't think it inspires people really. I mean, look, look at how many uh, passing trends 
come and go, you know, like, I don't know what the trend is now, but these things don't fulfill because this, oh man, my neighbor upstairs, I don't know if you could hear that, but it's, it's like they rollerblade and stomp or something on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the floor or something. Anyway, um, trends nowadays are passing, you know, and, and people, people latch onto them uh, for a while and it doesn't fulfill them. But these stories, the stories of the saints, the story of our blessed Lord Jesus, these things are important. And these things transform people's lives. I mean, it's done it in my life yeah. and it's done it in yours. And pick anybody, go to mass and pick anybody on the pew and they'll give you a similar story of how the life of Christ or the life of the saints uh, has transformed the way that they pray, uh, their relationship with God, um, their understanding of their own self mm -hmm. even. I mean, these are the kinds of things that that we're dealing with. And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to keep seeing really awesome stories. And you know what? If I can go back to Unplanned, the movie, um, that story of Abby Johnson isn't necessarily a biblical story or anything like that. I mean, it has some sort of... Uh, uh, analogies to conversion and that sort of thing, obviously. But uh, that came later. And there's stories that, that can be told from a Catholic lens, like Abby Johnson's life and how she was, uh, you know, uh, I forget what her title was, but a really high up in the company. A director of it. A director, yeah. And, and you can tell those stories... And even though they're not biblical or anything like that, they still have the power to convert people. Um, what was another one? Another example of it on the other side is like a movie like Fatima, which just came out recently. Mm -hmm. um, both Ashley and I, our families, they, they're kind of uh, Catholic in name only. It's kind of, they're like rhinos, but Catholic rhinos. Oh so like man. Catholic. Kinos. <laughs> Patrick comes to Catholics. Liquors of the yeah, they you know they think they're Catholic, but they don't they don't go to mass. They don't do anything. They haven't, they haven't been in the sacraments in a long time. It's really a tragedy, and we're trying our best to get them there. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the the cool things about this movie is that some of her family members mentioned to us, "Oh yeah, we want to watch it. We want to take a look at it." And um, we saw the movie and that gave us an opportunity to talk about the faith yeah. that otherwise we probably wouldn't have had because in our situation, they're a little bit closed off to having those sorts of conversations. But I mean, just think of it, a movie about the faith opened up an opportunity for us to have a conversation about deeper things and like I the message of Fatima, the message of praying the rosary every day, and yeah. the reality of hell and all these other different things that, the, the Fatima message contains. That's a great opportunity. Oops, bump on mic. The, the fact that, and we, because it is the gold standard, a movie like The Passion of the Christ. Oof. Right. And that's exactly it. Because that's the, what's the, 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 the special Coors Light from, uh, from Colorado? That's from Colorado, right? Yeah, Coors, Lights are, Coors Light is ours for sure. There's a special one. 
Coors the banquet. Banquet. Oh. banquet. Yeah, yeah, the banquet. <laughs> that is the banquet. That's like a, this is the banquet. Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. is the banquet of uh, Christian. Whoa. Put down that white power song. Oh, Tam- <laughs> double white power. Oh my gosh! Don't <laughs> just get kidding. Me, don't get it started. It's not. <laughs> not. By the way, plot twist. It's, it's not. Or chance trolling you. Get over it. Okay. This is the thing. <laughs> Passion of the Christ was one of those movies that did this because we never, even as Catholics, we're as Christians, so careful about how to depict our Lord. So careful. We're obsessed with it. Right. We we have to be. Yeah. Because you don't want to be blasphemous. You don't want to be idolatrous. Uh, not idolatrous, scandalous. Um, or idolatrous. Or profane. But here's the thing. It's so crazy to wrap. We've, our entire lives, we've been fed the passion narrative. Our entire lives, we've seen the fact that our God is, is dead on a cross. That is the symbol of our faith. The corpus, you know. And what's very funny is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's very funny is that it's hard to really try to depict the horror of that, that moment. Crucifixion is a terrible, terrible, the worst way, oops, sorry, the worst way to die. And the, what happens to the body, I mean, there's a reason why we get a word in English, excruciating. It comes from the cross. And what's very funny is this movie decided to combine the great theological themes with the physical reality that our Lord had to suffer and die. And you can show that to atheists. There have been plenty of people who have, who, because that movie's been credited to their conversion, down to Jim Caviezel himself, and who played our Lord in the, in the movie. And I can show that to anybody, and they get it. And it's funny how I, we try to watch it every, every, uh, every Good Friday and how tormented it is, how hard it is to watch because you know that that's our sins that are doing it. So here you have extreme high filmmaking, extremely high script writing, and all they're doing is they're just taking from sacred scripture because God gets it, because he understands the human heart and the human narrative. And all they're doing is just using the gifts and giving them back to God. And what's been created is, is a film that is able to live on forever because Christ himself lives on forever. And it doesn't have any of the trappings of, of the cheesiness or the, the, the pearl clutching that sometimes we can do as Christians. It's, it's, it's raw and it's authentic. And I, I think that that's helped so many people recognize the necessity for God in their lives and also recognize his, 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 the great um, trial that he went through to suffer and die for us. And for every single sin, every single peccatore, it's just absolutely crazy to, to, to even fathom that this is what has to happen with our blessed Lord. I mean, just- and- It's like an extreme uh, Ignatian way of praying. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, one of the, one of the, the ways that St. Ignatius suggested that we pray is we, we mentally imagine ourselves in the situation. Mm-hmm. And now every time that I'm praying the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, I can't help but dwell on the images that came from that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so visceral and realistic and portray the actual suffering of our blessed Lord Jesus for love of you and me. That's, I mean, those images really speak to that and it's it's not just you know i think people people don't like the film because they think it's just violence and violence porn and that sort of thing but it's not that it's 
they're showing you the reality of what our blessed Lord had to go for, go through out of love for us. I, I think it's going to be one of those films that lives on as a classic. Yeah. I want to, I want to touch on something that you just said there, because I think, especially in the mind of the Catholic filmmaker, one thing that by the nature of how the Catholic faith progresses is that we don't put the faith on a pedestal apart from reality, which I think sometimes is, is a trapping of Christian media. You know, it, we can't touch risk and sin and all these kind of the kind of things. But the Catholic mind always seeks to contextualize and it recognizes that nobody's perfect, right? So mm-hmm. I always think about this. If you're going to make a St. Augustine movie, um, you know, St. Augustine broke, if there was a sin, he did it. And so the question is, how do you shoot or how do you tell that story while not going to violence, porn, and titillation and fantasy and all the, all the desirable things that we know that sin does, you know? That, the, the, the pleasure which leads to ruin. But it's to contextualize that because it is the story of St. Augustine, right? And so it's, it's about being willing to find a balance of the reality because the greater the fall, how happy it is that the Lord turns back to us. So you could never tell a St. Augustine movie sterilized you know, yeah. just like he writing a letter to St. Monica. Oh, we, oh, we pushed over this cherry tree and I'm now married to this woman or not cherry tree. It was a, it was a tree, but, uh, and now I'm doing this. It's like, you know, you have to be able to go to the drag heap a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think about that in regards to something like Dante's Inferno all the time. Like the images that are coming out of the Inferno are crazy, yeah. crazy. And, but, but what does the Catholic mind do? It doesn't glorify the images. The point is not to go, well, hell's really hopping. You know, and it's not to say, wow, how profane and foul it is. Like, how dare you show uh, the souls of the gluttonous, for instance, wallowing in their fetid slush is how it goes in the, in the poem. And if you think about the image, that's a disgusting image. It's a revolting yeah. image. And it's like the Catholic mind goes, good. So is your sin to our Lord. We have to be, we have, we, in filmmaking, content creation, anything is always about finding a happy medium. It's always about finding where we can point to the truth Without, you know, the truth of the heavenly kingdom without giving ways to the earthly realm, you know? Yeah. It's about making sure that something isn't glorified. But at the same time, as a Catholic especially, we're called not to shy away from the nature of humans and the nature of sin. We're called to always show that God is greater than these things. And there are a lot of movies that demonstrate that. And that's why, like, I'm okay with a movie like, say, Silence, right? Which I think has kind of a really stupid ending, that very last shot, really stupid. But what's the point of, but I think the rest of the movie I think was, was wonderful. And one of the reasons why is because A, it showed martyrdom as it happened, but B, it's because the heroes lose. He lost his faith at the end mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to, and you, and you still don't think that's a good thing in the movie. And I'm saying that that's the point. We know that, and this is what makes us as Catholics really good about the sensibilities of, of, of filmmaking is because Catholics know that they can lose their salvation. Right. When a Catholic loses their faith, we don't say, oh, he never had the faith to begin with. He wasn't one of the chosen. We know we go, you know, he might be out now. Maybe he'll come back. But right now he's away from the faith. And that some people walk away from the faith and they don't come back. And so the thing about it is it's like it's all about demonstrating that such a thing can happen, but it's not a good thing. It's not good that he decided to leave his faith. We wanted him to just to, to die like his like his fellow priest did. And I know it's going to sound crazy, but it's like you want at the point I would rather have martyrdom for myself than to lose my my faith. Right. There's a line from A Man for All Seasons where um, 
he sold out by by uh, by a, a, a guy named Richard, who was one of his pupils, kind of. And it's always Richard. Man. It's always Richard. You know why? Because they're anyway. <laughs> and um, how'd you do it? Uh huh. And what happens is that Richard lies. You know, he he completely fabricates by oath. By the way, this is very important. Under oath, which means that he's forfeited his soul. That Sir Thomas More told him that uh, Parliament did not have the competency to uh, to adhere to the marriage or the king status, which is treason. And Sir Thomas More says, like, if I I I'm. I pray more for your perjury than I do my own life. And that if he is right, may I never see God in the face. And as he's walking away, he notices that there is a red dragon, which is the symbol of, of governorship of Wales. And he says, why Richard, it profits a man, not the whole world. If he loses his soul, but for Wales. <laughs> um, and that just highlights it. It's like, we have to be willing to see what that risk looks like. Because that's where martyrdom comes from. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And if someone's going to lose their faith as Catholic filmmakers, we have to say that that is not okay. It happens. It's true that it happens. There are plenty of people in the early Christian days, even, and now especially, who are more than happy to pinch incense to Caesar. Yeah. But we have to be willing to always say, these people exist, but it's wrong. And you shouldn't do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's crazy. So, what is the... What is the f- what is like the the piece of pieces that you want to see maybe that you haven't yet hmm what do you think what's a film that i want to see i don't know like a film about vatican ii or mm-hmm. something yeah yeah what is like if okay if, <laughs> like a heist film okay talk to me if you if you had a limited budget and it was gonna and like a limited budget time anything you wanted all the best resources and they said okay make a film about like the church or a catholic story what would it be you go first. Let me think about well, it. Well, I know that you're going to say the Archbishop Lefebvre movie. Don't even lie. <laughs> which, would be, which would be crazy, actually. I would love, I would, I would watch that. that. I would watch that, right? Like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch, uh, you know, kids, they watch the same movie a million bajillion times yeah. every day, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I used to watch this like old VHS tape of, Michael Jackson. There's a first mistake. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it was like, I remember the intro was, <laughs> it was Michael Jackson. It was like a panning shot. It's like pulling away. Mm-hmm. And it's this gigantic, uh, like CGI golden statue of Michael Jackson. And I think it was just like a concert like BHS oh, or something so like that. Anyways, uh-huh. I used to watch that every day. I think if there was a, a Lefebvre movie, I would watch that pretty often. Yeah. What's You know what? There's one movie. Oh, it's not a movie. There's a show that I watch consistently. Like I'll watch it twice a year. I'll go through the whole series and I'll watch it again. <laughs> it's like my soap opera or something. Oh my gosh. Uh, I watch the X-Files. Like, yeah. Yeah. All the time. I love I just love the X-Files, even though it gets really bad at like season six or whatever. But um, no, if there was a Lefebvre movie, yeah, I would watch that. Actually, I think that would be a great movie. I actually, and then tie in the heist of the the Vatican, the Second Vatican Council, and how yeah, you know, it got out of hand and all this other stuff. I think that would be and really the, and the kind crazy. of the the, the Athanasius s exile. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Losing it all. Bingo. Uh huh. 
another movie would be <laughs> a, a movie about Bishop Athanasius there, Schneider, about his ooh, young life. About his young life. You can't, that's my idea. You can't take that. <laughs> Suffering under communism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would, well, I would make that. So I've said before, yeah, if I could, I would remake a man for all seasons. Um, hmm. God willing. I, I think, I think that would same really, script. Just yeah. Like a little uptouched here and there. Right. You know, yeah. just like a little taking just a, you know, making the play a little bit more cinematic at times, but just taking that dichotomy between Henry VIII and really Thomas More and himself and just really bringing that into modern filmmaking sensibilities. Who um, would be the actor? Oh gosh. Okay. It looks like St. Thomas More. You know what I think? Um, I think if I could get Hugh Jackman 10 years from now, I think I could do, I could see that. Cause he has a very, he has a set face like that. I think that, I think that could kind of work a little bit. Um, he certainly looks like, uh, he certainly looks like, uh, um, Crowley, um, uh, not Crowley. Who's the, uh, anyway, the, if you watch the original movie, there's a character that actually, um, looks a lot like, like, like one of Hugh Jackman's forefathers, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, not Cromwell. He plays across from Cromwell. Um, I'll remember it later. Play. Yeah, Lefebvre. who who would play Lefebvre? Um, what does he look like? He looks like if he was if there was a younger um, what's his name? If it was a younger uh, um, Sons of the Lambs. Uh, who Bill? No, who's the guy who plays Sons of the Lambs? Um, he's Sir. Uh, wow, the guy the guy who played Pope Benedict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he was a younger i think i could see that i'm i'm thinking about him with a, be- a younger one uh, anthony hopkins anthony hopkins mm-hmm. that's the one I want, Ed, I want an older edward norton to play lefebvre <laughs> with a beard i'm just like anthony hopkins no nah, he doesn't look like lefebvre no he doesn't look like lefebvre i will figure it out um while you search that i'm going to say if, so if i could if i could create an, a movie though like authentically that hasn't been told just yet i've had a couple of ideas so one of them would be more general. I'll get to a saint later, but I'll, I'll, let me say the specific one. I'm obsessed with the Battle of Lepanto. You can't see it, but I have a, a picture that, uh, shout out to you, Chris Marino. Thank you so much. The picture is hanging uh, on, my, on, on the dining uh, room wall. But the Battle of Lepanto is ridiculous because we could all be speaking Arabic right now in mosques if it wasn't for the fact that the Pope was able to rally Christians to defend the faith. God bless you, Pope Pius V. God bless you. Oh my gosh. And Don Juan of Austria and, and Prince Charles, like all the King Charles, all these people. Okay, so if I would, I would tell a really wide sweeping like mini series of the Battle of Lepanto based on one of my favorite books, which is Empires of the Sea, which is about the whole conquest, the attempted conquest of the, the, the Ottoman Islamic Turk uh, to destroy all of Europe. And just the amount of politicking, but never mind that, the amount of faith that these people had to have. The fact that there's a Protestant Reformation in the North that England's just defected, and that there's all this squabbling between France, Spain, Venice, the Holy Roman Empire, and yet they're all able to come together for one purpose, and that is their Christian duty as princes and all those brave men who fought under them. Um, and they sieged the, they sieged Rhodes, they sieged Malta, they finally ended it at Lepanto. So just a real huge miniseries encapsulating these people unabashedly um, from, to see both sides too, because I think that, you know, they, I mean, the fact that Suleiman the Magnificent 
and Pasha and so many of the Ottoman Turk weren't able to do this is incredible because these people really should have. They had, they had a lot of very, very, very brilliant people, obviously. They, I mean, they turned the Hagia Sophia into a mosque. So I think that, that would just be such a wonderful miniseries to see like the depths of Catholicism and a really good remembrance of what defense of the faith actually looks like would be beautiful. So that's what, that's what I would do. Fun fact, Lepanto is a rosary victory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, do our people know why? know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Our, our lady, the feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary, which happened, it's already happened, right? Or is it going to happen next week? Um, I, think, I think it passed. Oh, no? yeah. Well, Our Lady of the Rosary, I think it is. Yeah, it, I think it has passed. Um, but Our Lady of the Rosary used to be Our Lady of Victory. But the, the battle is attributed to Our Lady's power through the rosary. And so the rosary is our greatest weapon because Our Lady's mantle falls upon us. Uh, but also, man, we, we kicked the snot out of the Ottoman Turk. <laughs> the, second yeah, time, the second time Europe would have been, the second time Europe would have been Muslim because it was once stopped at the Battle of Tours uh, on, in, in France. And of course, there's the Reconquista Kista, sorry, uh, of Iberia. And so anyway, um, I think just wonderful. And I think we've forgotten some of that, the depths of that fightiness that we as Christians need to have because we've gone with the pastoral platitude kind of route instead. But those are, those yeah. are real martyrs. Those are real heroes. Those are real men of the faith. Well, look, I, I'm looking through all these pictures and I can't find anybody who looks like Lefebvre. So it's going to be an up and coming actor. We'll, we'll, we'll announce it on the next podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Would play? If if you, you, oh here's the thing if you if you have an idea put yes. it in the comments yes because uh-huh. uh, i don't know any actors really i don't really follow that's that right who would play lefevin who would play sure. who would play thomas more nowadays i think hugh jackman yeah. could do it if he slims down a little bit and kind of furrows his brow a little bit more um i was gonna say jude law but nah not really he doesn't really look like hmm. Lefebvre. well no no i guess not I, I could see, well, it's just because Jude Law's in the Young Pope. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Which I need to make a PG-13 version. I would totally recommend that if it wasn't for some of the, some of the HBOE elements. But I do think, I think that's a... Yeah, actually, I really think that that series is pretty good. Yeah. For the most part, mm-hmm. except for like the really... HBO parts. Yeah. Who... Is it is it stars or HBO? I don't know. It's it's HBO. Some, one of those did it, and there and obviously like there's a lot of nudity and bad not stuff, like so. a bajillion, but there's there are some scenes which are need to be cut. They're bad. Or they're bad. Like when they happen, you're like skip, skip, skip. Young Pope is like the trad's rallying point. By the way, everyone you watch it, and you're like, am I supposed to hate this guy? Because this is exactly what I think needs to happen. Like he's pretty based. Pretty big. Yeah, pretty pretty based and blessed pilled. <laughs> <laughs> Bless <me. laughs> um Brad Pill. Are we are we mad about anything this week, Rudy? Besides the fact that the lockdowns are still happening. In fact I am, but I don't think it's like a public okay. thing. That's okay. You know what, what are you mad about? What am I mad about? I mean, I'm pretty joyous, right? I do. Oh, I will. I mean, I, I'm pretty joyous. I don't want to rant about this. is This is being recorded the day after the first debates, which was so much fun. Uh, Jen, it's pretty wild. I'm like, oh, what a you had a blast. You watched it with Ash? Uh, no, actually, we well, sort of. 
I think I we mean, watched the second half. Together. You know, you yeah. know, you didn't miss much. I mean, there was some fun parts, but I do remember that Biden once said that uh, Trump looks down on Irish Catholics like him, and Jen popped off because Jen's Jen has Irish has a lot of Irish Catholic in her, real actual Irish Catholic, right? So I threw my MAGA hat at the. I heard that, and I was like, "Man, come on, man!" <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't. I said something mean. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, we said something uncharitable. I'm not, but I'm not really mad about that. And I think that you know, I'll, I'll let that one pass. But I will say this: I will say I will make a plug again. If you haven't, talk about media that's that's really worked. If you haven't yet, please watch Father Altman's video on how you can't be a Catholic and Democrat. And he's created a sequel video um, that's it's wonderful amazing. too. It's really amazing. So there's an example, right, of orthodoxy, truth, and wonderful production value. Those guys who are putting that good. on is good. And I would send that to a lot of different people. Um, and you can tell that it's working because there are rats coming out of the woodwork to denounce Father Altman, right, to suppress him, to say that that's, that's completely unfair and uncharitable. And just a reminder that abortion is not an issue amongst many, even by people who are not trads who are trying to spin this. The USCCB itself says that abortion is a preeminent issue, which means if you were to draw a Venn di- or like a, a diagram, right? Is this candidate pro-abortion or against abortion? You know, pro, pro-abortion or pro-life? And if there's a diagram that says uh, this candidate is pro-abortion, it immediately would go, well, you can't vote for him, right? It's a preeminent issue. It means that before you breach every other issue, this one has to be addressed first. It should not be a political issue. It should be the issue. And then everything else takes care of itself. If we can't even discuss life in the womb, can't even just, yeah, you know, do that. It's a moral. It's a moral. It's like, it's like the crux of a lot of moral issues. And what people will do, and there's a spin, right? They'll say, well, you're not really pro-life because Pro-life means that you should care about immigrants and that you should care about women's health and that you should care. And I'm saying not only, first off, like, of course we care about these things, but we're talking about killing babies, people. And I'm sorry, but an immigration quota is nothing compared to how many millions of babies have been killed in the womb. Yeah, that's like the last thing on my list. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, immigration. Obviously. Yeah, right. I don't think about it. Look, I used to I think about the innocent child in the womb. And you know, you talked about last video in 2016 how how you knew when you knew you couldn't vote for for Hillary, you know? And in your movement, I'll tell you this right now. I've always I've always been fortunate cuz I've always been raised like you know, very conservative Christian, you know? And so, I mean, we just kind of always voted Republican. So there wasn't really any issues and intrinsic evils but i do remember when i was a late high schooler into college being like okay well i know abortion's wrong but i like to focus on other issues is what i would say so like i wouldn't ever vote for a pro-abortion candidate but i didn't think about the gravitas if you will politically i didn't ever connect the conscience of voting and my soul in that way right yeah and that's what a lot of people do they say well you can vote for biden who's not only pro-abortion, pro-Hyde Amendment, has expanded the most anti-life platform, is attacking Barnett, not because of anything except it's all about Roe v. Wade. You know, they, they will rally around abortion. They will always rally around abortion, no matter what they do. And Trump, you know, faults, warts, and all, believe you me, has been now the most pro-life president, right? And we've never had a president actually speak at a, at, at a March for Life or anything. So this means a lot. Okay. And so if you're a Catholic and I, we are both, Rudy and I are 
are pretty much monarchists. We're the hardcore papists. We want the promulgation of the gospel. The answer is how, what vehicle, even if it means not voting, but what vehicle best serves the message of Christ's church. So again, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you as your brother, because, you know, as, as close as I can get without sitting down with you with a beer that I, I could care less about the political situation. This is about your soul. There are five non-negotiables that a Catholic can't vote for. And one of them is abortion. So if you are thinking, if you're teetering, if you want to know, um, I posted it on our video, our Mad Tread video. We had a commenter who was saying that the church, subsequently that, where does it say the church say that I can't vote for a Democrat? Also saying that the church had no moral authority. So it's like, what are you going to do? But if you want to know, the USCCB, to their great credit for once, uh, has put out a resource of the church's uh, long pro-life stance throughout all of history, through the saints, through the actual official teachings of the church through the ordinary magisterial teaching of the Bishop's Conference, right? Which is in a hermeneutic or continuity. So you cannot vote pro-abortion. You can never vote pro-abortion. Stop playing with your soul. And if you notice, who are all the people, who are all the people who are saying that we should, we should be pro-life? Who are all the people who are coming out and saying, don't kill babies? And who are all the people who are saying, well, there are other issues and you can focus on them, right? I mean, if you want to see who stands with Christ Church and who stands pretending they're in Christ Church, this is the issue that'll divide them easily. Yeah. So that's the thing. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in with us for this conversation about media hey. and uh, a Catholic media, actually. Catholic media. <laughs> yeah. Not the, not the other media. <laughs> uh, we are extremely appreciative of your support. Please don't forget to like comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, share this, please. If you have any Catholic friends, if you have non-Catholic friends who you think this would be a good resource for, uh, we are we are always looking to grow, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. You think that, that there's a lot of really exciting things that are happening here. Um, you can follow us along on Instagram primarily at Gladchad Podcast. We have a Twitter too, but we don't really use it. Uh, and of course, literally everywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. Also, we really, really appreciate engagement. So if you have a desire for a video that you want to see, whether it's long form or short form, a discussion maybe, if you have a question, a comment, please, we would love for you to reach out in the comment section. And even if you just want to say hi, uh, we know that we have regular supporters who like to say hi and how are we doing. Um, and, and please- If you want it to be private too, you could send it through Instagram. Yep, yeah, you can uh, send it through DM. Instagram. We are, our email, right, at gladchadpodcast uh, at gmail.com. So, you know, we, we, we really do respect a lot of your, your prayers and your support and um, especially the, the latest influx of people has been really incredible. And um, if you haven't, you know what I mean? Don't forget to pray the rosary. Don't forget to, to get to mass, especially if it's a traditional Latin mass. Don't forget to stand up for the gospel to be a witness to Christ. Don't forget to smoke your pipe and uh, post your dank memes. Missing anything? Live a holy life. It's a salt of life. Right, everybody. Sanctify your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep it holy at all times, especially nowadays. So, God bless you and Mary keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Adios. Thank you.